This podcast is a ministry of Christian Life Center in Berwyn, Illinois. Our goal is to create a real faith for the real world, and we hope this helps you grow. For more information on Christian Life Center, visit us at our website, www.berwynag.org. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Tonight we're talking about a fool and his money. And I'm speaking here as an expert, an expert on this topic. Sometimes we talk about, I, want, I wanted to talk about the different things that, that, we, that trip us up in our ability to handle our finances in a way that honors the Lord. And so I, I wanted to speak in a way, kind of invert it to make it, to, to, to point out the negative things that we do rather than the positive things that that the word commands us to do, but to look at those things. So, and, and you know, we don't, sometimes we're uncomfortable talking about money in church, but really money is a necessary evil, isn't it? We have to have it. Anybody who's learned to live without any money needs to come and tell me your secret right away. And, but, but you, you have to have some, you have to have something. You got to buy, you know, you got to buy a pizza puff after church on Wednesday night. You got to do something got to get a, a corn dog every once in a while, especially if you see them, they're freshly dipped. you got to buy those. Uh, you, so there's, 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 every once in a while, you have to spend some money, and so it's just, it's just a requirement. So God's Word says a ton of, of stuff about money in there, and so we're going to talk about that in a minute. Uh, the most important thing we should look at when we, we're looking at the topic of money is that it is a gift. That God has given us what we've given. This, uh, Paul talks about in Philippians that we should learn the secret of being content with what we have. And that means we have to learn to handle the things that we have. That doesn't mean God doesn't have more for you in the future. He probably does. But uh, it means that we have to learn. The answer to your issue in, with money is not more money. It's more discipline. It's almost 100%... Uh, true that that it, until you can learn to live off of what you make now, the more money is just going to be thrown down the same hole that the money that's leaking out of your wallet is is it's, it's just just not a fix. More money isn't a fix. I know it doesn't sound right. It sounds like we'd like to hit the lotto and that would be great, but the reality of it is, the the issue is us. And so there's a part of this that we have to recognize. And the first thing we have to recognize is that. Money is a gift. It is something that's given to us and entrusted to us. It's all of our resources, really, money, time, uh, talents. All those things are things that we should be using for the Lord. We try to use whatever it is that God has put into our life to help other people. If you have the gift of compassion, if you, then you should be compassionate to people around you. If you have the gift of counsel, counsel. if you have the gift of administration, you know, be, be working and, 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 and administrating. We should be using those things for the kingdom. If we recognize that they are a gift to us, then we recognize that we have been given them, and that makes us stewards. Let me give you the four principles of stewardship. Let's see if we can get there. Go ahead, one more click. In Jesus' name. Show me the four principles. Hmm? No? There it is. Number one, principle of ownership. The earth is the Lord's. Everything in the earth is the Lord's. Psalm 24. The earth is the Lord's. Everything is the Lord's. So anything that you have 
has been given to you, and this is what we're talking about, that, this, that what God has provided for you is a gift. Many times we want more. Many times we, but you can't base your finances out of envy and covetousness. Number one, those are sins. And so you, you can't envy. It's nice that other people have nicer stuff than you, but you can't, you can't base your whole living and your understanding of things out of, out of envy and covetousness. God doesn't bless those attitudes. So you have to, you have to get yourself into place that. So you recognize that, that you are not the owner. Say that. I am not the owner. It's not even your life. It's not even your life. The, the proper biblical response is, my life is not my own. I've been bought with a price. That means everything in my life has been bought with a price. It's a gift given to me. God has put it into my, into my hands and given me that as a gift. And so that is, that is ownership. And so he has ownership of everything. If, if he didn't have it before you were saved, if he didn't deserve it before you were saved, then he did. But even if he didn't, when you came and you gave your life to Jesus, you gave your life to Jesus. Not a little corner of your soul. You gave your whole life to Jesus. That's what, that's what coming into relationship with him, you're, you're going to say, Jesus is Lord. That's the definition of what it means to be walking as a Christian. No one can say Jesus is Lord without the Holy Spirit. And so if you, if you could say Jesus is Lord, if Jesus is Lord, the Lord of your life, if you're proclaiming that Jesus is the Lord of your life, that means everything that you have has now come under the Lordship of Jesus. And so the Lord can tell you anytime he wants, give $5 to that guy and it's not really yours to fight and argue with we sometimes argue and fight with them don't we amen he was like that guy i don't even know that guy look he looks like he's got plenty he looks more comfortable than me quite frankly you know we argue with god but but the reality of it it's all god's and so the principle of ownership is important the principle of responsibility to recognize that we are responsible for these things that these things that god has given these things to us but it's they're his things and so we're we're, we're supposed to be responsible with them, you know. I don't know how you are, but are you, when you borrow a tool or you borrow something from someone else, do you take better care of somebody else's stuff than you do of your own stuff? Right? Do you? How many would say you, you take better care of somebody else's stuff? I, I would think that's kind of, because you know you're going to have to, you're going to know you have to be responsible for it, right? I, I mean, I, am, I often turn things, people say, hey, man, if you want... If you need to use my car, and then I go look at their Mercedes out there, I'm like, oh, you know, no, because if I wreck your Mercedes, I can't afford a Mercedes for me. I certainly don't want to buy one for you, you know. So, so I, 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 I recognize I'm going to be held responsible for that. So the principle of responsibility is to recognize that it's God's stuff, and he's letting me hold on to it, and I'm the one that's responsible. Uh, a lot of times I can't remember who I lent stuff to, so I... When, I, when I'm missing a tool in my garage, which is frequently, uh, I don't know if it's lost or lent out to one of my kids. So I call, call around. Hey, Seth, you got my hammer drill? You know, hey, Matthew, do you have my hammer drill? Hey, Leah. No, that's not, never Leah. But, you know, uh, but, uh, although she does have my power washer right now. But anyway, so the, the, I, recognize, I recognize that, that th those are responsible. And that's the third principle, third principle of, of biblical stewardship is that we have a, we're accountable for those things. Not only are we responsible for them and how we use them, but we're, we're accountable for them. So uh, if I have a handgun and I let you play with my handgun and you shoot your neighbor, you know, you're responsible 
for that, but I'm partially responsible too because I gave you uh, my handgun to, to play with it at, at your neighbor's house, and that's not right, you know. And I'm going to be held accountable for that. That's not right, you know. So if we if we recognize that the things that God has given to us, real biblical stewardship is recognizing that this stuff is God's. I'm responsible for it, and that that I'm going to be one day have to stand and give account. You know, we 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 talk about this. Oh, someday we'd love to hear. Well done, good and faithful servant, right? Well, you know where that's found. It's found right in the middle, smack in the middle of the, of the, of the parable of the, the talents where God invests into these and he gives them and, and depending upon how they invest that talent is, the, is how they're going to be, be rewarded. And which it brings us to the final, final word here is that there's the principle of reward and that, that for whatever we do with these things that aren't ours, that we're responsible for, that we have to give account for, for whatever we do with those things, there is a reward, reward commensurate to the way we handle that. So it doesn't make a difference if you make $300,000 a year or $30 a year. It doesn't really make a difference. If you're, if you're faithful to use that to honor God, I mean, it might make a difference to you. You might be more comfortable if you're making $300,000 a year, but it doesn't really make a difference to God because he's only going to hold you accountable for what he's put in your hand. And faithful, he can, he'll give you faithfully, if you're faithful to use the things that, that he's done, he gives you for, in, a, in a good and a right manner, he'll give you more. How many of you have more now than you had when you first came to the Lord? Raise your hand if you had, if you have, nice and high, so give the honor and glory. I have more now than I had when I first came to the Lord. Yeah, well, that's, good. that's, that's true. I mean, we, I, I, I was bone broke, so it, it was easy for me to have more. I could fall over and, and find more money than I had when I was uh, first a believer. So I remember I wrote my first tithe check, and it bounced. And the, the deacon had to come over and say, hey, you know, uh, that check didn't clear here. I have it for you. You know, and he gave it to me. What a wonderful gift. Anyway, so, so we get ourselves in trouble with money. And, so, and, and I, I hate to see Christians in, in, uh, in, uh, in, in predicaments with their money. So let's look at these ways that we get our... One of the ways that we get ourselves in problems is that we start off handling our money with no plan. When we don't have a plan, we get ourselves in, in, into a problem situation. Now, you say, well, money, they just, they give me the money on Friday, and then I spend it on Monday. You know, that's how I, over the weekend, on Monday, it's all gone. You know, restaurants are closed on Mondays. You know why? Because people who get paid on Fridays blow all their money over the weekends, and they don't have any money on Mondays, it's the least attended day in the restaurant business. So a lot of restaurants are just closed on Mondays because they know you shot your wad on, on, uh, on the weekend. There's, you have no more money. You shot the whole wad of money that you have. You just, just, so, so they recognize, they, they know that that's human nature. That is America. Oh, you say, Pastor, it's 2018. Things are much better now than when you were young. No, they aren't. They're worse. And so this idea to have a plan, to know that I can, you know, go out and I can have a nice dinner or I can help, you know, help somebody or I can buy those things that I'm wanting, but I can't do it without a plan. So I have to know what that plan is. Luke chapter 14, verse 28 says, Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. 
Won't you sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying, this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. And so when you're spending, you, ha you have to recognize that there's this, this issue of planning. And so we, the plan that you live by is called a what? Budget. Oh, it's a nasty word. We don't like that word, budget, do we? Uh, but I remember when we were first, when we were going through premarital counseling, the, the, the fellow who was doing our premarital counseling, uh, Pastor Don, said to me, your, bud your budget is your buddy. It's buddy budget. <laughs> I've never believed that my whole life. It's like, my buddy is not the budget. My budget is the rain on the back of my neck so that when I run, it's like the dog who gets really excited and he's chained up in the yard and he, he runs and he runs and he runs until he hits the end of that chain. That's my budget. It knocks me off my feet. When you violate your budget and you start spending the landlord's money or money that's dedicated to somebody else, then you recognize that you're, you've gotten yourself in trouble. And so that, that's one of the ways we, we, we get ourselves. That's how, you know, uh, you know, the title of this message, a little bit deceiving, it says, uh, the, it's called A Fool and His Money. Uh, I can't help but hear that, but I think about that song. Did I hear you say that there must be a catch? Will you walk away from a fool and his money? Honey. Okay. Uh, anyway, so... I, can't, it's been in my head, song has been in my head all day. I hope that gets it out of there. Anyway, so it puts it in your head and you take it home and you play with it for a while. So the idea here is there has to be a plan. There has to be, and so you have to craft that. I'm not going to tell you how to do it. It's easy to do. You just write down for three months, write down everything you spend, every single penny that you spend. You say it sounds boring and monotonous. It is absolutely worse than that. It is mind-bogglingly boring. But eventually you'll know, this is what I spend on coffee. This is what I spend on, you know, whatever, um, corn dogs, whatever it is that you spend your money on, and you'll know what it is. And once you write that, if you want help with this, honestly, I'm being honest here. If you want help with this, I have worksheets and materials I can you know, give you copies of, and you can use those to help, help set that up for you. And, and, and we'd be more than happy to sit down and, and work that out with you and, and help you do that. Because it's important. It's, a, it's the basic foundation. It's the principle of freedoms. You have to have a plan. You can't just go, hey, I got money. I'm going to spend it on whatever I want. You can't do that. You have to recognize that money has a, a place. You can even do it with envelopes just right Landlord's envelope and, uh, you know, whatever, electric bill envelope or utilities. And then and, and just put the money, the cash money in there if you want, if you don't have a bank account or whatever. You, you have to have a plan and you have to get close. Even if you don't have a plan, you'll, you'll mess up from the jump, okay? So the next thing, the next mistake we make is that we frequently respond out of desperation and fear to the issues that are around us. And we don't, we don't handle ourselves in a way that is integral. We don't handle ourselves in a way that, it, that is right. And if Proverbs 22, verse 1, you probably already know this, is a good name is more desirable than great riches. It is to be esteemed is better than silver or gold. You, if, if you have a habit, if you have a record, if you have people saying to you, 
this guy pays his bill. Well, this is what this is what your credit score is supposed to measure. Are you faithful at paying your bills? Do you have a good name? If your credit score is 12, you have some rebuilding to do. You know, you have to keep you have to move beyond that. It's important to do that. You say, oh, it's just a number. Yeah, it's just a number, but it is also your reputation. And so you're, you have a reputation as a child of God. And a child of God shouldn't stiff people that he owes money to unless they determine that, no, you shouldn't. That's the way. Uh, Deuteronomy 25 says this, Do not have differing, two differing weights in your bag, one heavy and one light. Do not have two differing measures in your house. In those, in those days, when they would go to the market, they would pull out their one-ounce weight, and they'd say, Give me one ounce of that, of that uh, wheat. And then they would reach into their bag and they'd grab the heavy one ounce, the one that was, had a little extra on there. They'd get a little padded extra. And then sometimes they would have a light one. If they were paying, they'd say, here, I've got a, a, an ounce of wheat to give you. And then they would have the light one. And, and don't be a crook, in other words. Don't be dishonest. Be, be, be faithful in the way that you handle your money because if you handle your money, that's the way you lose your money because what, what ends up happening is you end up... Uh, being a, putting yourself in a place where you, you, your money it can't be worked, can't be trusted, and people will no longer trust you with it. For the, it says here, for the Lord your God detests anyone who does these things, anyone who deals dishonestly. So if you want to be on the hated by God list, go ahead and carry two weights around in your bag. But uh, you should be just, for the most part, now we don't really have that so much is, is that because we have already pre-weighed out coins, you know, but the issue is we're trying to be honest, and so we're trying to be uh, dealing honestly. And the book of Proverbs is full of all kinds of things that talk to us about being honest and, and people of integrity when we're doing business. The third problem is we are lazy sometimes, and when we are lazy, eh, we don't like to hear that, but when we are lazy, sometimes it's because we just don't want to pay attention to that stuff. Proverbs 27, verse 33 says, Be sure you know the condition of your flocks. Give careful attention to your herds. For riches do not endure forever, and a crown is not secure for all generations. When the hay is removed and the new growth appears, and the grass from the hills is gathered in, the lambs will provide you with clothing and the goats with the price of a field. You will have plenty of goat's milk to feed your family and to nourish your f female servants. So he's, he's saying, you have to take care of what is yours so that you recognize that if you want to get a return on that, in other words, pay mind your business is what he's saying. Pay attention to the things that are rightfully yours. You can't say, well, you know, I didn't know there was no money in my bank account. It's been months since I balanced my checking account. You know, you have, to, you have to pay attention. You have to mind your business. You have to be acknowledging that these are the things that, that you, you're paying attention to. And, and, and you can't just be lazy and, and let life happen to you. The motivation for our wealth, as, wealth, as I said, has to be deeper than envy or covetousness. It has to be deeper than that. And so we can't just try to manipulate our, our, um, our currency in order to try to get ahead at the expense of other people and we can't try to we can't just lay back and do nothing expecting it to happen this Jesus taught that, watch out be on your guard against all kinds of greed life does not consist 
in the abundance of possessions. What a great verse that is. Life does not consist in the abundance of your possessions. So don't define yourself by the things that you have, Luke 12. Don't define yourself by those things, but rather recognize who you really are and recognize the things that you have in, in your life that have been given to you, and you're going to have to give, give account for those things. Uh, the fourth thing is provide for your family. Don't do just for you. Do for everybody in the family, you know. Um, what, it would be really rude if I came home tonight with a big ice cream cone and didn't have one for my wife, you know. It would be even ruder if she went to the grocery store and bought one steak and cooked it up for herself and didn't have one for me. There has to be the ability for us to be a family. The Bible tells us that this is what we're do, supposed to do. When we choose to be selfish, God can't bless that selfishness. And so the Bible clearly says this. It says, if you don't, if you don't provide for your family, you're worse than an unbeliever. Right? You're worse than an unbeliever. Okay, so if you don't provide for your family, you're worse than a boy. What does that mean? That means if I if I have to if I have to provide for my family and I don't have a lot, that means I have to make things work. I have to make ends work. I have to pray and believe God. Many, many times I pray and believe God, Lord, stretch this check a little bit. Let me find a coupon. Do you ever pray for coupons? Lord, give me the coupon. Show me the coupon. Show me the magic coupon place. I, I need to find it. Those are the things that we do in our, in our life to take, take acknowledgement of the fact that these are things. And if we don't provide for our family, if we, we begin to live our life selfishly, then what ends up happening is then we, we cheat ourselves out of the respect that others should be given. And then our testimony isn't, isn't heeded. Uh, here's a big one, uh, number five, debt. Debt. If we were to define debt, debt is, is having the inability to pay what you owe someone. In the Romans uh, chapter 13, verse 8 says, 7 and 8 says, uh, don't owe anyone anything except the debt of love. So if you can't pay if you, can't, if you owe so much and you can't pay for it, you need to begin to create a plan so you can start working towards paying that down. Not a blow-off plan so they get them off your back, but a plan to really get yourself to a place of, of freedom so you don't have these things burying you because nobody... Can, well, this is what debt does. It ties your hands so you can't do what God wants you to do. Maybe you can live in that house that's a half a million dollars and you can afford all the all those payments on, in that house, and maybe, maybe that's all good. But what happens when God comes and says, I want you to bless that one, and you say, well, I can't because I live in that big mansion over there on the hilltop. How can I, I can afford it if I just squeak away everything. You see, we, we sometimes overspend because we're trying to keep up with the image of people. And, and I know this happens all, all, all over the place. Many of us are driving more of a car than we can afford. We oftentimes feel like, well, they got a new car, I should get a new car. Well, if they jump off a cliff, are you going to jump off a cliff too? So the idea is you have to be responsible for that. So really important that we, we make sure that the debts that we have we're able to pay. I mean, like if, you, if, they sold, if they sold you into slavery, maybe you'd be able to pay it, but may, may, probably not. Okay, so uh, another mistake people make is people don't save money. People don't save money. Dave Ramsey says that if you're going to pay down your debts, the very first thing you should do is create a savings account 
and save in that savings account until you get $1,000 in that savings account. Just pay the minimums on your credit cards until you get $1,000 down in your, in your savings account. And you do that. How, do you, how does that happen? How do you get money in your savings account? Well, it magically comes down from heaven as a result of your prayer. No, it doesn't. You have to take a little bit of each check and send it over to that account and put it in that account and you just keep putting it in there until you have that $1,000. Why? Why do you do that rather than just pay down your credit card? Because if you pay down your credit card and you don't have any money in your checking account, you say, Pastor, is this spiritual? I'm giving you scripture for every, every single one of these things, right? So God's interested in your freedom. Aren't you glad for that? Man, you should be excited that God wants you to be free. So, so what was I talking about? Huh? Savings account. I'm glad you're paying attention. Okay, so, so, so if you have $1,000 and then you start paying down your credit cards, then what happens is, now, well, as soon as you start paying down your credit cards, what happens? The washing machine goes out, right? You need new tires on your car. If you have that $1,000 account, then you just go in and you take that money and buy yourself a washing machine, or pay somebody to have your washing machine fixed, whatever is cheaper, I suppose, and what a better investment, and then you pay, and then you can still keep paying and then build up that savings account as well. But if you don't have that, then you'll pay down the credit card, and then you'll put the washing machine on the credit card, and you'll pay that partially down, and you have to buy tires, and you put it, and it's just, you end up in this cycle where you're just going around and around and around and around, and you don't, and so this is a, a Probably a good starting place is to is to when you're when you're trying to live your life live off of eighty percent, save ten percent, give ten percent to Jesus. That's that's where I always tell people to start when they're trying to trying because God's going to bless you if you give the ten percent. We'll talk about that in a minute. But but that ten percent that you put aside is enough to 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 leave you with that eighty percent, and you can believe God for the coupons. You can believe God for the deals, the two-for-one sales, the triple coupon day, the whatever it is that, that, you know, you ever stumble in and it's like, oh my gosh, Jack's pizzas are three for five bucks. And you, you just scoop a whole bunch, you fill up the whole thing all the way up to the top and buy 700 of them. No, but you know, you know, you've got to be within reason. But, you know, when you, I get excited about that. I don't, you know, I probably don't need the deal, but I'm excited about the deal because a deal is a deal. How many of you believe a deal is a deal? Right. How many of you think a deal's not a deal if you're getting ripped off? Right? Did you ever buy something and then you go, man, I shouldn't have bought that? Like you go to the grocery store hungry, and then you come home and you're unloading the groceries, you're like, Doritos and Cheetos, and, you know, and you're like, I have all this stuff. What are we eating? What are we going to eat this week? I don't know. I guess it's going to be chips. That's what we're eating. Because you went there, certain timing things you need to do. If God wants to set you free, then you have to bring yourself. This is, about, this is all about bringing yourself, your finances under the lordship of Jesus and, and recognizing that he's got. And that means, you know, if you can live off 100%, you can live off 80%. So how can you possibly say that, Pastor? You have no idea what my finances are. Because I made less than you, and I lived off at 80%. It can be done. It can be done. Let me tell you this, as an old man, things get more expensive when you get older. Because you got to buy, your insurance is going to go up, your health insurance. 
And your medication, you're going to have medication. Maybe you're on aspirin now, but maybe you're going to, your medication is going to, be, going to be expensive. You have to have some of these things squared away in your life if you're going to, if you're going to go through the life. I don't mean to be the, the buzzkill here, but this is the reality of it. This is, this is what life really is. You know, it's like, oh, I just wanted to hear about angels and how many of them could dance in the head of a pin. Well, we'll talk about that next week. But the, the reality of it is that we have to be, be the kind of people who recognize, and the Bible tells us that, that a good person leaves an inheritance for their children's children, but a sinner's wealth is stored up for the righteous. So part of being a righteous person is recognizing that it's not all about you, that it's about other people who are coming behind you, and, and you can leave a little something for them to help them, give them a heads up. I don't know a single parent that doesn't want their children to do better than them. I've never spoken with a parent that says, yeah, my kids, are, they're okay. They're going to be all right. They've got to learn some tough lessons the way I learned them. No, parents don't usually say that. You parents usually say, you know what? I want my kids to have it a little easier than what I had it, you know? And that, and that usually works until they have it so easy that they never learn the lessons, and then I have to come and hear this sermon, which they can get now online because we're going to put this on the podcast. Okay, the, the seventh thing is don't be stingy. The Bible says in, in Luke 14, when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. God is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. God blesses you when you give to other people. When you, we don't give because he blesses us, but God cannot deny his nature, so he will bless us if we bless other people. So we can't make it about us. Jesus said, your love doesn't even count if you give love to people who are going to love you back. Loving people who love you back is fundamental human, humanity. If you don't love the people who love you back, you're, you're worse than a dog. But even my dog, my dog loves me. Even on the days I don't want to talk to him and his breath smells and all that stuff. And he's been licking his hinder and all that, and he comes up and he still wants to... Dogs do that. And he still comes up, he's, he's happy to see me. Even when I'm not happy to see him. But Jesus said, if you're really going to be a lover of people, you have to love those who you don't expect love to come back from. This is the... That's giving. Everything about Christianity is giving. And so we have to love people. We have to invest in the, the lame, the halt, the blind. We have to minister to people who, are, who are, are without. We have to keep blessing and live our life of blessing. It's not just about us. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10 says, For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. So it, we cause problem for ourselves when we begin to fall in love with money. You say, well, I don't have any money. How could I fall in love with it? Honestly, I think poor people have as much problem with money as rich people. Rich people have so much money, they just spend all their time counting it. You know, I don't know. I'm just imagining. But uh, they just, uh, <laughs> that's how I imagine it. You know, it's like they're just, ooh, here's another pile. Let's count this. Uh, but that's what rich, but, but poor people, they look where the pile should be. They go, oh boy, I, should, I wish I had that, so I'm going to go do something desperate to try to fill my coffers so that I have a pile of money to count. So they go do stupid things, you know, and, and, and they, they give money out or, you know, play the lotto or gamble or do all that kind of stuff that gives them nothing. You say, oh, sometimes you win. Most times you lose, though. 
And so, you know, the issue is you're playing the odds. If you're, if you're a gambler, you're playing the odds. And the odds are they're betting you're going to lose. And so you might be that guy. But, you know, even if you win, you lose because you go back and you go, boy, last time I won. And now you're plunking it all back down again. And now you're, now you're and who wants to be doing that? The scripture says in 2 Corinthians 9, verse 8, God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. Through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. So that's one of my favorite verses, and we could tear that apart and talk about that for a day. But the reality of it is that God wants to bless you so that you can bless others. Did you hear that? He didn't say, oh, I want to pour out a bunch of money to you so that you can stuff it in your 401k. That's not what he said. I want to pour out this blessing on you. I want to, give you, I want to increase the harvest of your righteousness. I remember I had a Bible college student once say, that's not about money. Hello. Yes, it is. It's in two chapters back to back that are about money. Before this passage of scripture, he says, I want you to excel in the generosity of giving. I want, this is all about you learning to be a giver. You say, why does the church always talk about money? Because it's important for you to live. And because so many people screw up their lives by the way that they handle money. Especially when we don't have a ton of it. If you, had, if you were rich, I probably wouldn't be talking to you, but I, don't, I suspect that you're not. I, I don't know for sure. But I suspect that you're not filthy rich and, and that we, these are biblical principles we need to be reminded of. You say, well, I know all this. I understand. I knew it all, too. And, but when you know it all and you don't do it all, there's that, that gap between knowledge and doing that God's trying to shave that down to bring us to the place where we can find ourselves in financial freedom so we can bless the missionary when he comes in, so we can help the, the homeless and the poor, so we can reach out to those people who have needs that are that are greater than they can meet themselves. We can't just stand over here and go, boy, some rich guy ought to meet that need. The reality of it is, the rich guy's not going to meet that need. He might, not have got, he might not have got rich by giving it. He might not have got rich by just hoarding it. And so we have to live the life. God's going to hold us accountable for us. Remember the principle of stewardship, accountability. We're going to be held a, a, a responsible for what God has given to us. And then the last thing, and this is the last thing I'm going to say about this, is that taxes. Give to Caesar what's Caesar's. Mark 12, right? Give to Caesar what's Caesar's. Plan on tax. I, I talk to people all the time who are self-employed, and they get themselves in trouble with taxes all the time. They don't save a dime for taxes, and then they're surprised when April 15th rolls around. You know when April 15th comes? Right after April 14th. And you can extrapolate that backwards all the way to the very day today and figure out how much you're going to have to save if you go looking forward, if you have to recognize that this... But you can't just... So this is all a part of the planning. It's all a part of doing. And these are the mistakes that we, we make when we, when we fall into this. This whole idea of greed, this whole idea of covetousness, this whole idea of envy, all these things are the... These are the seven deadly sins working on the inside of our heart. 
And if we don't allow, you say, well, it doesn't sound very spiritual. Well, it, it isn't in the practical aspect, and yet it is, because every good thing that's done requires us to be able to pay for it. Now, sometimes God really blesses us. You know, we got round-trip tickets for the L.A. trip for, was it, $249, was not it, Laura? $245. So, so $245 round-trip to California, to L.A., that's pretty good. It's a good deal. God blessed us, you know. And, uh, but the, and especially with gas prices going up, I saw something on the TV the other day. They said, well, the airfares are going to start going up because gas is getting more expensive. And I called Laura and I said, buy, buy, buy. And people thought I was talking to my broker, but I wasn't. I was just... The idea is that we have to handle our money in a way that honors God. I don't know about you, but that convicts me. I want to honor God in the way I give. I want to honor God in the way that I bless others. I want to honor God with the way I surrender myself to the things of God. And I don't want money to have me. I don't want my stuff to have me. I want to have my stuff. And that's the key, making sure that you're in control of those things. Let's pray tonight. Thanks for listening to today's message. We hope you were blessed by it. If there's anything that we can do to help you further your relationship with God, we would love to be a part of it. You can contact us through our website, www.berwinag.org. Thank you, and God bless.